It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now... Here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, it's 1 o'clock uh, here at Pacific Standard Time, so that means it's time for us to bring in uh, two great guests and uh, hopefully learn something new and exciting from them. Um, of course, talk about everything that's going on in talent, HR, uh, and in business. So, um, you know, I have the Really, the great privilege of meeting so many of these uh, inspiring leaders all the time, whether it's through LinkedIn, at different groups, um, conferences, whatever it may be. And so I decided to bring them in and have a conversation here. So hopefully we all can have the opportunity to hear uh, and, and discuss some of the things that they're thinking about um, and start thinking about um, some of the hot topics um, that may be going on uh, in their companies that could be coming to yours here very shortly. So um, that's really the kind of center uh, reason here why, we're, why we do the show is to have that conversation. Uh, as I said, we are live here every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, but most of you actually access us through the podcast on iTunes or you hear us on iHeartRadio. So if you have access to either one of those and if you have an Internet connection, you all have access to one of those two things. Um, you can join the uh, you know the other 10,000 people a day who are coming in and listening to a show. Um, that's millions of, of, of listens every uh, year. We're just so proud of the great uh, listeners and regular people that are coming in uh, to hear the show. And so if you want to take it a step further, you can also join the conversation on Twitter. We'd love to have people ask questions, give comments, give us guest suggestions, whatever it may be. So send those to at PeopleG2 on Twitter right now. Use the hashtag talent talk, the hashtag being the most important part, because that's how my producer Mike will find your tweets and make sure we answer them, uh, maybe bring the question into the conversation right now, uh, or take your suggestions and comments back to it. So I'll begin the show today uh, with uh, Scott Dimmick, the Senior VP and CHRO at Lakeland Regional Health. Um, my second guest will be Liz Pellet, uh, the director of Great People at Image Solutions. But let's go ahead and get my first guest here on the show. Uh, Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Chris. It's great to be here. Well, I appreciate you being here. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and, of course, maybe what your your uh, your day-to-day kind of uh, activities look like over there at Lakeland Regional Health. Sure. Well, um, I have dedicated my career to the healthcare industry and been in healthcare human resources for, I'll say, over 20 years, for a long time. And, um, you know, I have good training, I guess, and background in, in business and, 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 and talent and organizational development and have just found um, a niche working in the healthcare industry, worked in various settings uh, within the healthcare industry and have um, found that to be 
valuable and rewarding. And I guess I would love to tell you what I do on a daily basis here, but each day is unpredictable. <laughs> you know, so we are very planful. Um, I think one of my biases myself, and maybe that's uh, stemmed from growing up in the healthcare industry, is is you know there there is some structure and planning and and all that foundation. I think that's needed to be successful in, in any business, any profession. And so we have a talent business plan that we we use. We align it with our organizational objectives, and we try it on a daily basis, work towards uh, executing that plan. But um, any given day, there could be unpredictable facets that come up, and, you know, I think we do a little bit of proactive and reactive work. You know, one of the things that always fascinates me is when talking to someone who works in healthcare, especially if uh, you're in HR and you're you're really charged with and and really helping feed and and guide the culture of the organization. And reasons that's so fascinating for me is that you have such distinct and impactful groups inside of one organization. You have doctors, you have uh, nurses, you have patients, you have everyone else who's helping provide services within the hospital. You have family, you have so many strong groups coming together, and although you may have a strong purpose of giving people care and helping them, um, you still have a lot of um, maybe push and pull at times. So how do you kind of really maintain that, that, that culture and make sure that you're where you're at, that you guys are going in the right direction? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, it, it's funny that you say that the uh, healthcare systems, the modern healthcare systems and organizations, many of your provider systems like large hospitals and related kind of affiliated um, health uh, companies that are affiliated with those health systems run sort of like little cities. We employ, uh, you know, everything from um, uh, housekeepers and and food nutrition and kitchen personnel to uh, clinicians and physicians and brain surgeons and plumbers and painters and the whole gamut. And so we see a wide variety of occupations and professions. We recruit for those and and certainly look at uh, making those jobs engaging. And one of the ways that we do that is through a strong culture. And our core culture really is rooted in and around the patient and sort of around our universal objective to improve, extend, and save somebody's life. You know, at the end of the day, that's what we're sort of always focused on doing. And sort of from that stems a few different cultural elements that represent things like teamwork, having a sense of urgency. Those are cultural characteristics that are quite often common. And then sort of this relentless pursuit on quality. And that, I think, stems from, you know, this universal objective that that, uh, I think all healthcare organizations maintain. Another important factor that shapes our culture is this, this big, broader, Umbrella that we call the dynamic healthcare industry, which we read about, you know, quite often in the newspaper or see on on the news reports on things going on at the national level and sometimes at the state level. Um, and it's often characterized, on the one hand, as experiencing continued growth, and we see that within the industry. Being a part of healthcare is exciting because there is this this rapid growth. Uh, many of our healthcare occupations are among the fastest growing positions in the Department of Labor's um, studies as they look at career expansions. And so we see this growth. It's nice to be a part of that growth, being an industry that's not shrinking but actually expanding. Uh, That growth is being driven primarily from the age wave 
and and sometimes a little bit of a, a rise in disease patterns. So we do see that occurring, and that's expected to continue over the next 20 or 25 years. On the other hand, the growth is nice, but on the other hand, I think the reason why it's at the national agenda and it's being debated at the national uh, level is there is the reality that there's no money in the federal budget to pay for this continued growth and expansion of the healthcare industry. And so healthcare organizations are being asked to do more with less. And that context is shaping cultural characteristics and certainly business and change facets and how we operate. Uh, and so we try to strike a balance uh, as we describe our culture between the need to be internally focused to achieve high quality while simultaneously being externally focused to be aware of all these changes and kind of achieve growth and kind of our market strategy. And then internally, we also try to balance stability, which produces precision and quality with our uh, clinical and, and, and kind of patient care procedures. We also balance that with this need to be agile so that we can react and be nimble with a stroke of a pen. Who knows how we're going to get paid, you know, in fiscal year 2018 when healthcare reform and all that takes place. So those are characteristics within our culture. To continue strengthening our culture, we then rely on education. So we try to educate our workforce on what's going on, the dynamic factors. Uh, we use various communication channels. Uh, we have um, formal and informal communication things that we do uh, that try to continue to raise the level of awareness on these aspects and then educate team members on the cultural artifacts, things like the policies and the processes and maybe the systems and how they need to continually align with these various cultural components. Well, it sounds like there's just an incredible amount of uh, moving parts there, so it sounds like a, a good thing that you you do enjoy a lot of planning, and that that's a, a part of your process because uh, you have uh, and you, you know, all the things you covered. A couple of the big things I heard was you know an increase in demand, but not necessarily an increase in supply. And that coming from funding and, and being able to expand, you know, to keep up with the amount of demand coming in the door. Um, and then all of the different components there of, of trying to keep everyone on board, educated, communicated with so they know what's going on. And that really kind of leads me into my second question about employee engagement. So you can create this culture, you can have this stuff going on, but I think healthcare also has another unique um, framework in trying to keep its employees actively engaged. Um, again, with everything going on, it being constantly debated as well as just the very simple, the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows that could occur on a daily basis, even with just patient interactions. So how do you guys deal with employee engagement? Well, I think we have a good engagement partner. Uh, so we partner with uh, Gallup. Gallup's our engagement partner. We use the Gallup Q12 as our fundamental engagement model. And, and then as such, you know, we focus on aspects within the work environment, the work system, and the work itself to ensure that the work itself is also engaging. You know, sometimes there's, there's things that are around the work that it's nice to have um, special celebrations and certain things like that, but quite often we've found that the work itself and whether the work 
is uh, rooted in things that reduce barriers, whether somebody can feel like they come to work and they can perform their work without having extra challenges, and things sort of work and sort of flow. So we always try to focus on those kind of efficiencies. We, it's, it's maybe not as common historically, becoming more common now to see things like Lean Six Sigma and Lean Six Sigma and operational excellence principles and practices um, making their way into the healthcare provider setting. And so we, we are a, uh, you know, we are an operational excellence um, organization where we look at things from that perspective to make sure the work itself is, is engaging. Beyond that, we also look at practices, best practices and good practices in these areas of team involvement, um, team member communications, learning and growth, career advancement, and then recognition and, and reward systems. Uh, recently, we've been working and focusing on three main things. Uh, one is based on a, a intervention, based on a, a, a strategy that's improving employee involvement and participation in running the business, which we think is really important, both from an employee having a good say and feeling uh, engaged uh, in what's going on, but also we think it provides better outcomes in, in the business. And we've been using a strategy that we call GEMBA. And GEMBA is, again, one of these Lean Six Sigma kind of practices whereby we've established visual representations uh, in all of our departments of the department or team-based goals and metrics and then action plans. And they're visual representations usually around uh, walls or boards. We call them the GEMBA boards. And then on a daily, sometimes weekly basis, but usually daily, we then have team members that huddle around these GEMBA boards and perform what we call a GEMBA walk. And the GEMBA walk, in essence, uh, entails a team member reviewing that department's goals and metrics and daily or weekly outcomes, what they're working on in, in terms of action plans, and then having dialogue within their peers of things they can do better to drive you know, quality outcomes, service outcomes, innovation outcomes, whatever it might be on that department's GEMBA board. So it really involves them into running the business, and we found it to be um, something that's, that's been highly engaging for the team members. Well, it's pretty fantastic that you've been able to get that level of um, really integration into the your, your your organization with as many people as you have and as big of you kind of said it's like it's like having a city right all these different people involved um, to to let them have that opportunity and that consistency I think is probably pretty huge. Was there something in particular that maybe when you first came in that you felt? really needed the most attention, and, and where, where have you gone since then? How, how has that changed? Well, I mean, a couple things that we're also focusing on is, you know, connected with what I just described in terms of the employee involvement, we employ a lot of what's commonly referred to as knowledge workers. Uh, a lot of staff members who have advanced training, education, and uh, they're thinkers, and they they want to be thoughtful. They want to be able to express their ideas. They don't want to have a, a very routinized, you know, mechanical position where they 
aren't intellectually challenged. And so woven within many of the things that we do, whether it's leading change or driving improvements or fundamental day-to-day operations, we try to foster this employee involvement. And I've been looking for ways and opportunities to interject more of that within the operation because it really derives two good outcomes, the engagement as well as better business um, decisions and, and ideas. And then on the other side, we, we, we have a lot of wonderful tangible and intangible benefits, perks, things, rewards that we provide to our team members. And sometimes your, your biggest enemy is figuring out a way to communicate, get your arms around it and promote those great things. And so we've created recently a total reward summary which in a very appealing, visually appealing way is promoting and sort of educating to team members um, all the wonderful things they have in their total rewards package uh, within the organization. Well, that's great, making sure people have that clarity, that transparency, communication is is, is really great. Um, and you, you kind of mentioned um, some of the things you're doing with Gallup and then being your partner. Um, and there are very traditional things that people can do for culture, for engagement, for leadership development. I was wondering if there's maybe in the leadership development area some maybe some things that you guys do, some tools or, or strategies that maybe are a little bit different that maybe you've had some good success with or might be considered outside of the box, uh, especially considering your unique uh, situation with inside of healthcare. I think there's a couple things that may make us unique and, and, and stand apart. First off, our, our values, we describe our values in terms of promises. So our values are aligned with what we call our promises, and quite simply they are to treasure all people as uniquely created, nurture, edu- educate, and guide with integrity, and then inspire each and every one of us uh, to do our best. And as such, we've branded uh, our corporate university as our Promise Academy, and This Promise Academy contains a Workforce Development Institute, a Leadership Development Institute, and a Physician Development Institute, each with programs that align with the core and the custom learning needs for each of those three populations. So the core sort of works like this. The core is competencies and corresponding programs that are aligned with our study of the industry and our business needs that we've established within these three areas our respective team members must possess, you know, for us not only to survive but sort of thrive within this dynamic industry. The custom is much more strategic. So the custom is based on developing staff and leaders to foster career advancement and their succession planning. And um, we are on the heels of introducing something we're calling the career roadmap and, and our career roadmap sort of works like this. It's a visual picture of all of the various career advancement options that are available within the organization, within our benchmark positions, and then the process for achieving career growth within our health system. So it sort of makes transparent the requirements for each role, clearly defines the job families, career tracks, and kind of career paths, and then helps align the career development plans for our team members with training programs and reimbursement, educational reimbursement and support, so they can achieve that. And I sort of feel like what it does is it gives team members hope. 
Um, I always feel the best success story I could achieve in my profession is by having people say, hey, I entered the job in career A, and I retired in career Z, <laughs> and I had a great ride, you know, during that during those uh, those years in that period. Well, and and this really taps into the idea of mastery. People love to be learning new things. They love to be con, you know, constantly working to improve ourselves to get better. Maybe not every person is that way, but I think most of us are that way. And so, for your organization to not only help provide for that, but to give a roadmap on how they can do that and where they can end up is uh, pretty remarkable. There's not a lot of organizations that are that are doing that, or at least they may have it, but they're not, you know, talking about it in a way that would maybe highlight the organization. Uh, so that's a uh, big, big kudos to you guys for, for doing that. It sounds like um, a really great program. Um, you, you know, sort, sort of inside of that, that kind of takes me into my next question about metrics. Um, you know, as your employees have that understanding and that path of where they can go, does the organization also sort of use metrics or different um, evaluations to kind of understand where the organization really is going as opposed to maybe where they could go? We do, uh, and we, we look at it two ways. Uh, one, we look at it from a business metrics perspective, and I think any success that we have with our workforce and our talent programs are reflected in the organizational outcomes. And so from the organizational level, you know, the three core uh, areas that I think many organizations look at, we customize them a little bit, are customer service, as we define as patient experience. You know, so we have patient experience metrics that we look at at, at various levels. We have quality core measures, so there's various aspects in the production of healthcare service that are quality-oriented in terms of some outcomes and process-related measures that all deal with delivering, providing high-quality clinical care. And then we also look at efficiency and productivity, how efficient are we in, in our operations, and we have some measures. And so I look at our success with our workforce programs as producing a high-performance workforce and hence driving you know, key organizational goals like this. However... And those may be the those may be kind of the 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 lagging indicators that eventually we're going to achieve these uh, if we're doing well. We do have some leading indicators that are more talent driven. We've developed a talent management value chain, and in that value chain, we have six or seven kind of phases or components that we measure, and these deal with some of your standard or traditional areas within talent, like talent acquisition development, engagement. We talked about wellness, uh, performance overall, the workforce, and then our rewards and recognition. Within those areas, we then have some talent metrics that we use to gauge how well are we, you know, acquiring talent. What's our time to fill? What's our turnover maybe within 90 days to 12 months? And we use those as leading indicators that we hope is producing, and we see it, with our overall organizational outcomes. Well, you've done an excellent job of, I think, helping people understand what are some of the really cool things you can do and what an organization can really offer its employees. But you've also made it sound, uh, if people don't know, if they're not in the trenches, they may think that this kind of stuff is easy. You know, how hard is it to really put all these things in place and actually sort of enact some sort of change in an organization? Uh, well, change is always always dynamic as well. And uh, I, I remember Jack Welch was 
made famous uh, for a quote that he said, Jack Welch, the former CEO of General Electric, uh, was heralded for leading some large-scale change when he was there over the course of 20 years as CEO. And he once said, when the rate of change on the outside exceeds the rate of change on the inside, the end is near. So, you know, from that, our takeaway is it's always important to understand that change should be a leading strategy and should really be proactive and not kind of a reactive thing based on trying to survive. And so we educate our workforce, again, on these industry dynamics and how the organization is changing, not only to survive but to thrive. But besides that perspective from Jack Welch, I like to take an additional angle and say that for change to be successful, not for it really to occur, but maybe for it to be successful, I would say that when the rate of change exceeds the rate of learning, the end is near. So one of the fundamental things we try to use to parallel in support of any change effort is learning programs. And I think it's the workforce's ability to learn, unlearn, and relearn at every change effort that determines its success. And posting a change or, you know, the old memos that might communicate a change really don't work. you got to have a corresponding supporting learning plan that's going to foster that change so that it sticks. Well, you've mentioned a lot of great things here today. I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, how can people learn more about uh, Lakeland Regional Health or get a hold of you, if that's appropriate, um, you know, going forward? Well, we have a great website. Um, the uh, individuals can learn more about Lakeland Regional Health. We're based in Central Florida, uh, uh, beautifully located between Tampa and Orlando. Our website is www.mylrh.org, uh, mylrh.org, and um, I'm I'm easily accessible too from the website. My my um, email address, uh, if individuals are interested in learning more, is uh, Scott S C O T T dot and my last name is spelled D as in David, I-M-M-I-C-K, at org. Well, Scott, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, maybe we'll have you back at some point and give us some uh, some other pointers and information on some of the things we didn't get to, uh, but we can do that down the road. But, again, thank you for being on the show. Chris, it was great talking to you. Appreciate appreciate the chance. All right, we'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with my second guest, Liz Pellet. <laughs> Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. 
Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. If you're just joining me, you missed a great interview. Uh, and uh, hopefully you can go back and maybe listen. Uh, you can go on iTunes or iHeartRadio once we publish that, probably in about a week. Or you can listen to all of our past shows there. Um, or you can also go to TownTalkRadio.com anytime, and you can uh, find our shows there uh, and listen to some of our great past guests. Uh, next up, let's, we're going to bring in uh, Liz Pellet. She's the director of uh, Great People at Image Solutions. Um, and don't forget, you can send your questions and comments, anything else you like, uh, on Twitter at PeopleG2 and use that hashtag Talent Talk. But Liz, thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. Thank you. Well, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and, of course, uh, talk a little bit about your company and what you guys do over there at Image Solutions. Okay, awesome. Uh, Image Solutions, we're actually a corporate uniform and apparel specialty company. So we provide uniforms to companies like AT&T, DirecTV. We do a lot of the custom embroidery. We're not uh, a uniform rental company where you would you know, pick up and drop off, um, but more of a organization that really does custom uniforms for uh, large companies, small companies. Our mission is we make you feel and look great at work. As far as myself, uh, my background's in organizational development and talent change management. I've been doing it for, goodness gracious, over 20 years. I've been talking about culture since uh, my first book was published in 2000, and it was a real celebration for me to see that Webster chose culture as the word of the year in 2014. That was, a, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, and that really uh, kind of coincides. It's pretty close to when my kind of journey and excitement about culture started as well. So it sounds like we're going to have a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, you've only been with Image Solutions a short time, but as the director of Great People, you know, what were your impressions of the culture kind of coming in into the company as you walked in, into the door? A great question, and a lot of people have asked me, you know, why why are you there? You know, when I came in, it was a pretty interesting tour around. You know, I'm looking around, and there's a, a kind of like Huntington Beach, you know, which is where we're near Manhattan Beach. But there were, like, surfboards on the wall and a beach cruiser kind of sitting in the, the lobby. The walls were all reclaimed wood. And, and then, of course, what caught my eye was this picture of Jimi Hendrix. I was like, wow, where? what did I just walk into? And looking around, the um, the environment, you know, the employee workstations are all these open kind of environments, and there's music playing, and I joke around to my friends and say, you know, I walked in and I could smell the esprit de corps in the air. That's a that, that's a that's a fancy way to put it, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you have such a you have such a great kind of a place to walking, you walked into, um, and you're seeing all of these kind of. Uh, cool stuff that's kind of happening in the company what were you looking then to maybe accomplish was it to keep keep it going i can kind of keep the ball rolling or were you looking to also maybe kind of enact some sort of change or to bring in uh some sort of enhancement well you know fortunately for me um there was no one and there was there has not been a director of great people so i'm walking into kind of a green field and i wanted to come in and, and look listen and learn really get get an eye for the culture get my you know get the finger on the pulse kind of thing and then really support the organization and what they've done a great job of creating over the last 20 years and then seeing what expertise i could bring to it to bring it more to life you know that whole uh, attract the best train the best and retain the best. I wanted to see what I could do to personally support that in our organization. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things that companies have to deal with um, at times is trying to keep your culture going or trying to maintain it as you're growing. Um, you know, when you're one size, you can manage a culture. And then when you become another size, it's a whole other thing. I guess 
you know, it's a little bit like parenting. Having one kid's a lot different than having three or four kids. So, <laughs> how, how do you manage all of that uh, as, as you're growing and those new challenges are coming in uh, to really keep the culture vibrant? I don't want to say the same because it's probably going to change, but how, how do you keep the, at least that that vibrance and that life going? Yeah, I do. <clears throat> I think there are a lot of you know, if your culture is based on history, assumptions, norms, and values, you're right. It doesn't really morph all that much, but it is uh, very important to pay attention to it and keep an eye on it. So I believe that if an organization, any company, keeps culture as part of their strategic initiatives, it won't go away. But the minute it becomes an HR program or something that human resources manage, it just doesn't have that uh, support or muscle in the organization that it really should. And if it is in your strategic plan, you know, and you build in that cultural component, you'll always implement then metrics and measurement really to measure, you know, to monitor it. So it is a, a cool, very focused lever in the organization. It's got to be super important and, and elevated to that level. You know, I think a lot of organizations these days, because culture is the buzzword, everybody wants to talk about culture and what's the culture of your organization. And, and so it becomes like just another thing, right? Uh, and somebody owns it. But if it's not owned by the executive leadership team, specifically the leadership team, it, it really won't continue to grow in an organization. It will be just a checkbox. Yeah, absolutely. And and so you, you kind of hit the nail on the head that it's got to be more than just talk. It's got to be a, a kind of found foundational principle of something that the company is always working on is, is keeping it right, you know, right in front of their face, um, both at the leadership level and from the employee's perspective as well, uh, as opposed to just a buzzword. I mean, I talked about this in my book that I've been working on. A lot of people put these words on walls, you know, and they, oh, this is what we're all about. But no one knows what those words mean, and no one ever practices those words. And just because you throw them up on a wall doesn't mean that your company is those things. It takes real work. It takes real practice. So what are some of the things you guys do to, to kind of make sure that you're really living it and breathing it? You know, the culture is really built into to our foundation, and we actually measure it in our interview process. We have we, we've defined our organizational culture. We've defined it in behavioral terms. We know what it looks like, smells like, feels like. And then you can write, you know, behavioral questions for candidates when they're coming in. So that's, I think, up front is one of the most important uh, times to really start looking at cultural fit. Uh, I wrote, you know, I wrote a book that Sherm published called Attract, Retain, and Repel, uh, you know, the keys to uh, getting cultural fit. And the, the head snap there is the repel, right? So if you really understand and you're, you're leveraging that culture and your attraction, so building an employment brand that's authentic and congruent, uh, and then your retention efforts, which I, I think we're going to talk about. But the repel part is what really gets the head snap because you really don't want to hire everyone. Right. You know? Right. I mean, yeah, you don't want to be hiring, you know, you try to avoid B players. You definitely don't want C players. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you're right. I mean, we we have to talk about A players and B players, and you have to have a B players in your organization in order to function, because if you're all A's, that usually starts with alpha, and something's going to go down that's not going to be the greatest thing. But 
looking for cultural fit specifically. I mean, you know, we have candidates, they're going to have knowledge, skill, and ability, but how are they going to behave? You know, what are the cultural norms that we're looking for? A funny story is uh, I started on a Wednesday, and uh, so Friday afternoon, the president of the company and I, we sat down, and he said, okay, three days, what do you know about Image Solutions? And I said, well... I have heard please and thank you more in the last three days than I probably have in the last 13 months because that is a cultural norm. Yeah, and that's huge. Uh, That's really huge when you have that kind of ingrainment into the company uh, in there. And really, you know, this is, you're kind of talking about fit as well. Uh, you, you know, you can take someone who's a B might be an A player if you, they're in the right situation, or if they're a That's C, right. they might be a B if they're in the right situation, on the right job, and all of that. Uh, those different factors. It's pretty hard from go to go from C to A, but if you, I guess if they're the right kind of person, if they say please and thank you, or they're happy to take that on, right? That's going to be a, a very easy norm for them among probably the other hundred things that are important inside of your company. That right. can make them a much stronger player. Is that kind of what you're seeing? Yes, and it is about fit, and I don't want to put it in like everyone has to fit. you got to get in line, and, you know, that I don't mean that uh, at all uh, because we have to have diversity of thought, and, and, and that's really important here at, at our organization as well. I remember in my interview process, I said, you know, what's, what's the deal with the diversity? And uh, one of the vice presidents said to me, he said, you know, I was interviewing a woman, and she said, i got to tell you at the end, I'm wearing a wig. And he said, why are you wearing a wig? She said, because I have blue hair. And he said, I love people with blue hair. So that's just an example of, you know, walking the talk. You, you had said it. You can't just talk about this stuff. But if you say you really want this diversity, inclusion, then you're, you're looking for it. Yeah. And so I, I know your motto kind of on the human capital side is hire the best, train the best, retain the best. And, how, you know, how do we really do that to really, you know, find that? Is it possible to, to do all three things or do we have to maybe hire not quite the best and then do a really good job of training them into the best or you know, how do you balance all of that you know i think it is a balancing act it's a really good good word used but for for me you know attracting the best especially when i started you, you mentioned i was kind of new to the position one of the first things in attraction is creating that employment brand that's authentic and congruent right with the culture because if you don't have that if you're not on glass door and you don't have a social strategy how are you going to reach how are you going to attract the best you know if you're not out there being public about it but i use the word authentic and congruent in culture very seriously because you know if you've ever taken a job that when you got there the experience was really nothing like what the company said it was going to be i mean how long do people stay right nine right. days huh? <laughs> not very long. <laughs> Some people don't <laughs> even come back long. after the first day if it's not right. I mean, well, that's you know what? That's so funny. I used to speak at a, maybe 12, 13 conferences a year and to an HR audience, and I would always ask that exact question How long did you stay? And the hands would shoot up, you know, 90 days, six months. Inevitably, somebody would say, I'm still there today. But the best one was a woman raised her hand and she said, I was there six hours. I called my husband to come pick me up. Wow. That's like running at least out she, of the building. At least she had the, the for, foresight to, to, to say, you know what, this isn't for me. This is not going to work. A lot, a lot of people stick around much longer than they probably should. <laughs> right. And so for us to train the best, it's not just, you know, <clears throat> number one, we don't even call training training. It's, it's development because that's really what it is. You know, you can train something to command, come to a command on a bell. But if you really help shape behavior and expectations and develop people into that, that's probably a little more sound. But 
when uh, when I started, one of the things we did right off the bat was reshape the onboarding program. So it was a very solid foundation. But we created a, a real 30, 60, 90 for every job title and understanding where those levers were. Like, okay, you've learned that. That's a master. You've mastered that. Now you go on to this. And here... Everyone starts a week, a week in the warehouse, so you are out. You know we're, we, you know we ship, pick, and pack our uniforms, and so everyone does their first five days out in the warehouse. Doesn't matter what level you are, and, and that helps us to create not only a foundation of what is the business, what are we doing? We ship, pick, and pack. Let's not take ourselves too serious. We are a uniform company, um, but we're a really good uniform company. And by getting that empathy for the position, uh, really helps you to understand how the business puzzles. So that goes to re- that goes to training, and then you know at retention, we really want to then make our onboard program come to life, right? So you've got the check-in points at your thirty, sixty, ninety. But what happens after that? Is that it? You know, is it that that one little ninety-day program and done? No. So you really need to build in these check-ins, these checkpoints. I think another thing around retention, and this is when I heard this, I thought, this organization's crazy. We pay $3,000 for a referral fee. I said, oh, my goodness. It's like $250, $500. Nope. We want to bring in people. We want the best. So there is a tangible example of walking the talk. If we say we're going to retain the best and we're going to attract the best, then we're going to pay and support our employees to a referral program to bring us the best. Wow, that's a that's a pretty big uh, that's a sizable amount, especially given you know what maybe if you look at the the bottom of your pay grade might be in your company. I mean, uh, exactly. maybe for the high up exec, that's a nice little bit of money, but for somebody else, that might be the their only way to get a real vacation that year or something. So that's a that's a pretty substantial amount of money for most people. It's a lot. It yeah. really is. Do you have a, a counter of that where you have to be careful that people are trying to refer too many people in because they of, of such a high amount of money? Do you have to kind of counter against that maybe you're getting too many referrals? Does that happen at all? No, which is which surprised me, really surprised me in the beginning. And I thought people would be referring, you know, everybody and their grandma. But right. uh, it didn't turn out that way. And one of the reasons is... I've talked to many employees, and they say, look, I've got great friends, and I want to hang out with them, but I have great friends at work, too. You know? So yeah. I, don't, I don't really need to, to do a cash flow analysis, you know, of referrals to Image Solutions. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to just be throwing a, you know, mud at the wall, essentially, just to, to pick up a couple extra bucks. But if you find the right person, then it makes a big difference. Yes. Well. One of the things you, you that I know you identify that kind of sets image solutions apart is that team member satisfaction. So uh, maybe how is that accomplished, and what are some of the keys that maybe you use to, to keep team members satisfied and, and really wanting to stay there and, and, and keeping that reten- those retention goals up? Right. Well, one of the first things is an employee engagement, you know, survey, if you will, or assessment, and that's really important to us because – you know, I've grown up in OD, but I also, you know, understand that data talks and a lot of other things walk. So by keeping a metric and a measurement and a numeric value to where are our folks at, that becomes something measurable and, and rolled into my goals as well that we can look at. But you know, I think a good example of the whole idea about satisfaction is, you know, people want to be included. 
They want to be listened to. You know, read any culture article out there, and that's what they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you, you know, this is what employees are looking for to have a more meaningful uh, experience, to be engaged, to get yourself to a high-performing organization, more productive. And we just went through a board uh, meeting process, and it's funny because I saw this in the reverse. So at a town hall meeting, there was a slide up there that says, we heard you. And there were all these things that we've done over the last six months that we've heard you. And I thought to myself, I wonder how we hear them. And at this board meeting, uh, on the agenda was the senior leadership left the room, the board members stayed in the room, and a video conference was on of our locations. And the board members actually asked, hey, this is your opportunity. You've got 30 minutes. What do you need from us? And the employees will give it up. And that turns into a, a list that we reviewed when we came back in the room. Those tasks get assigned out to members of the leadership team. And then in four months, the expectation is get a slide up on there and reiterate, we heard you. And, I, and that, to me, demonstrates one of the key you know, cultural components, which is engagement. And it's, and it's engagement, but to be more specific, that is bottom-up leadership. That is allowing the people um, who have who need those things the most uh, the opportunity to be heard, the opportunity to 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 share, and to be and to be actually asked and charged with thinking about those things right on a regular basis. So when you're asking people, what do you really need? And they have to actually think about it and come back with real things, not like, oh, we want a ping pong table or we want popcorn on Friday. You know, real things that we, you know, we need solutions to these real problems so we can do our jobs in a better way. Uh, that That is just hugely important uh, and sounds like one of the real big factors in helping your organization uh, really achieve some of its goals and, and to be such a great place to work. So uh, so kudos to you guys. That, that sounds great. Thank you. And we, we do actually have a ping pong table as well. well. And there's nothing wrong with a ping pong table, but it's not <laughs> culture. It, it's a fun thing to have at a fun That's place exactly. to work, but it's not culture. <laughs> Correct, yeah. Um, yep. Well, I know you were recently named one of the top 30 global gurus in organizational culture. Uh, what does that continue to drive you in that space to to continue to contribute and to be there and to, to stay motivated and to look for new concepts and, and, and uh, uh, ideas uh, to, to be one of those uh, gurus? I will say it was an absolute honor uh, to be named to that list, named 20 out of 30 global gurus. And I almost fell out when I saw that, you know, in the top five was Edgar Schein because he, he, that's my study right there. That was my go-to when I was doing my fellowship at Johns Hopkins in organizational change. I followed everything Edgar Schein had to say, and it resonated with me. So I believe that, you know, I've always considered myself to be a, a student of life and knowledge, and it is imperative that I share that knowledge and pass that knowledge off because I don't want to accumulate all this great information on organizational culture and organizational transformation, leadership development. That's good. It makes me, does it make me a guru? I guess. But what makes me a guru is that I believe in giving it back and turning around and writing articles or another book or something, sharing in a way that, you know, spreads that interest or desire around this crazy thing we call organizational culture. When I first started, <laughs> excuse me, selling employee engagement surveys or just culture work, you know, people would say, how's that going? I'm like, I don't know. You know, selling organizational culture, it's easy to sell a cup or a mug, right? You can hold it. You can see it. You put it in your hand. Selling culture is like selling the air in the mug. 
it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, you're, 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 it's, it's a promise of something better that may or may not happen, and it is hard for a lot of people to get their head around. Well, it sounds like you've been a student of, of culture and, and everything that goes into being uh, great at your job and in HR. So is there a book that maybe you're reading now or you read recently that you might share with the, the audience they might want to check out? Uh, right now, I am reading um, Work Rules, Insight from Inside Google that will transform how you live and lead, and, and why am I reading it? Uh, when I got here, the leadership team had just finished it as a book club, so they went through it a couple chapters uh, at a time. So the president asked me if, you know, why don't we do that together so that you're caught up to speed with the other leaders, because there's a bunch of things that he stated that, that the leadership team wants to take from the book, and maybe I can help that in some kind of actionable way. So, so that was a, that's, that's what I'm working on at the moment. <laughs> Uh, love that book, uh, Lazo Block. He's a I, that was the I think that was the author. Um, was a really really great um, uh, kind of storyteller and the, the things that they brought in. I mean, it is Google, and they do have all of their great big you know sexy machine of of money and um, programmers and all of that. But they still do a lot of fantastic things that anybody can do. And so you're talking about taking some of those pieces. I mean, anybody can read that book, and any organization can peel off layers to that onion there that they can put back in their organization right away. And I think that's it's a fantastic read for anybody who's interested in, um, in improving your culture or looking how they're doing things. So that's a, it's a great book. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, I agree. Uh, a couple more questions. We're almost out of time. Um, sure. You know, you've mentioned a lot of great things today. We've talked about a few kind of key concepts. You know, somebody maybe only heard one thing, if they were only paying attention 10% of the time, uh, what was, what's the one thing that maybe you hope they heard or they might remember? That as you reflect on your organizational culture and you're going to get ready to share that, whether it's internally, externally, uh, through your job postings or an employment brand, keep in mind that it has to be authentic and it has to be congruent because if it's anything less than that, people are going to look right through the veneer and see that that's, you're just selling, you're peddling. And you don't want to do that because if you do want to attract, retain, and repel the right talent, uh, the awesome, you have to be authentic and you have to be congruent in your, in your message. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how can people get a hold of you or learn more about Image Solutions? What's the best way? Maybe they want to explore all of the things that went into making you a, a, a global guru in organizational culture. What's the best way for them to find out more? That's a great question. It really is connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Liz Pellet, two Z's, one T, so L-I-Z-Z-P-E-L-L-E-T at LinkedIn. I'm constantly sharing articles and doing webinars and putting posts out there, and that's one way to really get a hold of it uh, and see what things are doing. I think I also have some links on there to some videos on YouTube I've done with Halogen Software uh, and some just some training Ethernet <laughs> training. But, yeah, Liz Pellet at LinkedIn on LinkedIn would be a great way to connect. Well, Liz, thank you so much for joining me today. Hopefully we can uh, have you back at some point. You can give us some more of your great insights. I uh, would love to have you on the show today here on Talent Talk. All right. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed my time. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show today. Hopefully you've gained something that will help your own career in a positive way. Next guest, uh, next week, excuse me, my guest will be Kara Stiletto. 
uh, Siletto, the President and Chief Retention Officer for Crescendo Strategies, and James Hamilton, the VP of Inspired Performance for the Vincent Group. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.